Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Hey, it's good to see you here this morning. My name is Jordan, if you don't know me. Um, if at the end of this you don't like what I have to say, don't worry, Pastor Gene will be back next weekend. Be all right. Started my stopwatch as I always do. We're gonna get into this thing this morning. I'm gonna hold this to an hour 15, so we got a lot of ground to cover here. Now, I'm excited to share the next couple moments with you. If you're newer to this community, I wanna tell you that uh, each and every week we open up this book and we believe that it's inspired by God. It's not actually a book per se. It's not a book of just morals and principles and keys to success. We don't believe that at all. It's actually a story. And it's a story of the creator of the heavens and the earth. One who in fact loves you, whose love is unconditional and is towards you and for you. And so every time we gather in this space, whether it be on Sunday morning or over in students on Wednesday nights, whenever we gather here as a community, we go to this book, open it up to understand more of his extraordinary love and the life that he, Jesus, has invited us to live in with him. And so in just a moment, if you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to Galatians chapter 5. If you missed last week, we have started a nine-week conversation around here called Fresh Fruit, where we're open up to Galatians chapter five, and we're looking at the Apostle Paul's writing when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Here in these verses, the Apostle Paul, he is writing, he's writing to fellow Jesus followers in the ancient area, in the ancient region of Galatia. So in chapter five, verse 22, it says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, forbearance, or another word for that is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But the fruit of the spirit is what? Come on, help me out. Is what? Love, it's joy. Pastor Gene, he brought us into the first part of Fruit of the Spirit last week and what we just said, it's love. And it's fitting that love is, is first and foremost because one might say that the following eight attributes, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, are really just describing what love looks like in action. And I want us to remember, Pastor Gene spoke on this last week, but uh, like any good Taylor Swift song, you gotta hit like, you, you gotta go back and hit replay on it, right? So, so help me out if this is already kind of like familiar to you. But the fruit of the Spirit is singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit, even though there are multiple ones there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And it's singular because God has one work to do inside each and every one of us. 
I can look at Macy, I can look at Nick, I can look at Madison, I can look up in the balcony, I can't see you, but I know you're up there. I can look at any one of you and know exactly what God wants to do in your life. And you might say, well, how is that possible? Has he tapped in to the Holy One, Jesus? No, God has one work to do inside of all of us. It's to bring out love, it's to bring out joy, it's to bring out peace and patience. And so it's no different in me than it is of you, or you, or you, or you, or you, all the way in the back. It's the same for all of us. So the next couple moments that we have together, we're gonna go to the second part of the fruit. And what do you think it is? It's joy. I'm guessing that you have probably experienced joy at some point or another in, in your life. Whether it's a trip, I know some of you have been to Disney and that's like, isn't that like the joyous, the happiest place on earth, right? I don't know, I've never been. But it's a trip. Or is it that time, oh man, it was one of the times like I was, I was so joyful when I made varsity in high school. Or maybe you got that job that you were desperately hoping for or the raise. Or maybe joy came when you heard the words, you get to work from home now. I was thinking about joy in my life and uh, there's, there's many points of joy in my life. But for me, joy comes when I'm heading to Costco. You heard it. If you heard me uh, preach before, I, uh, I have a love for Costco. I call Costco the Holy Land, okay? For me, Joy comes when I'm heading to Costco. A couple of years ago, Pastor Brax, he turned me on to Costco. I would actually jump in his car to go over there because I didn't have a membership yet. And My life hasn't been the same since, y'all. Our family hasn't been the same since. Well, let me tell you, there was one point, one Friday drive where my joy was instantly taken from me as I was at Costco. Okay, picture with me. I was standing in the checkout line. And if you've never experienced the checkout line at Costco, come on. Like, it is, is beautiful. I've been as far back as the middle of the stinking store, thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to take forever for me to get my stuff checked out. And within five, mil, uh, five minutes, some by Costco uh, magic, there I was at the checkout counter, ready to be checked out. Like, it's, Costco is brilliant, y'all. We're taking uh, memberships after service, so come see me. So I'm standing in line, there at Costco, standing in line, smiling at everyone, because, you know, it's the Holy Land. And I'm really proud of my findings on this trip. So there I am, a cart full of stuff, and I'm honestly next to be checked out. And I go, I go, and I reach for you know it's coming. My wallet. And the cold sweat comes over you. And you've probably been there. You, you start doing like the, the weird like tappy thing on like, like pockets that you don't even have. Like you're like, I do have a pocket here. It could be there. But my wallet was gone. And it was like in an instant, as I'm, I'm tapping all over my body, I had a flashback. I knew what happened. I knew, I knew 
what happened? See, I have up to, at that point, always put my wallet in my back pocket, which seems natural, right? But on this specific trip, I got so, part of my language, freaking excited on my findings that I was pulling my phone out of my back pocket and FaceTiming Krista to show her, hey, babe, you've got to look at this. Should I buy, like, multiple of these things? Like, this is a really great deal. And I put the phone back, and I'd be going down the next day, like, oh, oh my gosh, they have this too? So I'd FaceTime her. And you can tell, as I was putting my phone in and out of my back pocket, there went my wallet. Who knows what aisle it's been in Costco? No idea, because I was all over the store. So, and the next point, realized my wallet wasn't there. I'm not happy about this next moment, okay? This is Confessions of a Pastor 101. We should do a series on Confessions of a Pastor. As I was standing there, contemplating what I should do next, there I was, I was next to be checked out. Checkout lady looks me in the eye. And in one sweeping motion, I say, oh my goodness, my wife just texted me something she forgot to have me grab. I need to go get it. I lied, y'all. I lied. <laughs> oh, quit it. I don't come to your work and, and judge you. Come on now. But I lied. And good thing was, I ended up finding my wallet, get this, there are still good people in this world that uh, must have found it somewhere within the store and brought it to the customer service desk, so got all that taken care of, but Costco got the better of me that day. And it didn't end there. Let me tell you, the story goes on because as I was pushing my cart, it's like, it's like God knew I lied or something, because as I was pushing my cart after, yes, I paid for all my stuff, I was pushing it out of the store into the parking lot. There I go. And out of nowhere, a car, a Michigan driver per se, begins backing up, doesn't see me. So I pull off this professional cart moving pusher move. And then as I do that, save my life. I'm living here. I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. As I did that, the 24 pack of LaCroix falls off the cart. Somehow, some way, gets punctured. So there I was. Middle of the Costco parking lot after losing my wallet. Lying to the checkout lady. Almost getting taken out by this Michigan driver. I really don't know if it was a Michigan driver. Got mad love for Michigan. But there I was standing there getting sprayed with LaCroix all over me, all over me, all over me. And it's that when I learned that joy does not equal my Costco trips. And this is why I think a lot of us have bad theology when it comes to joy, me included. My joy, your joy, at times, sometimes, more often times, okay, maybe most of the time, can be rooted in people. Our joy can be rooted in places and things and accomplishments that can't fully support the work that the Holy Spirit is truly wanting to do inside each and every one of us. See, when you think about joy, joy, it's, uh, 
it's a hard concept to really try to spell out. But we all know joy when we see it. We know it's joy when we feel it. You know when you've had joy and when you've lost it. And a lot of times we think joy and happiness kind of are married and go together. But what's interesting is, is, is happiness, I didn't know this until I started prepping for this message, okay? okay? Happiness is an emotion that is based upon certain circumstances or outcomes in our life. It's not a bad thing, okay? But I found happiness is, you can be at the pinnacle at 1045 next to be in line at the, at the Costco checkout counter, right? And be at, at, at 1046, be in the pit of misery, lying to the checkout lady. Like, how does this happen? How is this possible? I was listening to, um, it's okay, you can answer it, we'll wait. I was listening to uh, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. out of Miami, Florida. He leads a church called Vu Church. And uh, as I always do with when I prep for messages, I, I, I try to take in other people's messages and, and see what they have to say. And he said this about happiness. He says, don't be against happiness, but remember that happiness is based on happenings. And guess what? We don't get to control everything that happens to us. When you look at the word joy, on the other hand, I, I went and looked at the original language, the Greek here that Paul writes. I know you can be wowed that I did that. But out of Strong's uh, concordance, joy is this. It's, the Greek word is called para. I'm only gonna say it once because it's gonna get messy after that, okay? And joy, it's this inner gladness. And as I was looking at the, at, at the original language, there are two other related words to joy. One is rejoice, to be cheerful. The other one is, is, is grace. Grace that is described that which affords joy or that which supplies joy. So from these two words, here's how joy is different than happiness. Joy, this Para is an awareness of God's grace in our life. Here it is. Joy is gratitude that's rooted in grace, no matter the circumstances. Joy is rooted in this immovable circumstance, this grace. You might say, like, what, what, what do you mean, this grace? Well, it's he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's the grace that he hung on the cross so some 2,000 years later I can stand here and know I have hope and I have joy and I have love in my life. It's not based on, joy isn't based on when you, when you have your life figured out. Joy isn't based on when you made the right connections or you finally moved up from your starter home. Joy isn't dictated by your status. In other words, joy supersedes circumstances. 
And when I don't get to control what's happening to me, but I'm going to choose to rejoice and trust in God, friends, that's joy. That's the joy that he wants to produce in our lives. It's a peace and it's a contentment that comes from knowing that my God is in control. But I know there's way too many of us who know what it's like to go through life without joy or to lose joy. Everything seems heavier. Everything seems darker. Everything seems harder. You fight so much more quicker. You lose your temper more easily. Everything is a struggle, right? Some would say, well, Jordan, that's just uh, my response to how difficult life can be sometimes. So deal with it. There's been moments of my life where I'm like, "Eh, you know what, that makes sense. That checks out, right? Because isn't life sometimes just mundane, average, challenging at best? And you're gonna have those Disneyland moments. You're gonna have those incredible sunsets. You're gonna have those brilliant trips to Costco. So capture it. Post it, remember it, because there's not that many. Woo! But I think Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit, really wants us to have joy. I'm sure he's about happiness, but he's asking out of each and every one of us to have a life full of joy. So if you're sitting here and you've lost your joy, How do we get it back? Challenge for myself and the challenge I have for us all is I've made this connection with uh, John chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, turn over there, John chapter 15. We're gonna start in verse 11. We're gonna kind of work our way through. I was sitting in the back row last week as Pastor Gene brought the, 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 the first part of the fruit last week and he, he used John 15. And I was like, oh, please just stop. Don't go any further. Because I like what it says and I wanna wanna use it too. But John 15, verse 11, it says this. It's read in my Bible, which means it's uh, Jesus talking here. It says, I have told you this. And we'll come back to this, what he means by this in just a second. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you. Jesus' joy can be within us. And so that my joy, my joy, our joy may be complete. Complete joy says that when Jesus is a part of your life, I don't understand it fully, but he's able to provide a certain amount of strength that begins to supersede every single situation that you find yourself in. It's saying that I might not be laughing today, but I have a strength, I have a confidence that I know that my God is in control. And so I don't have to get in the pit of misery. That's the joy that Jesus says that we can have. He says, I've told you this. Well, what's the hinge point here that Jesus is saying? Because I don't know about you, complete joy sounds pretty good to me. 
Go up to verse five with me, same chapter. Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. We saw this last week. He's saying when you're connected to me, guess what, fruit happens. Fruit begins to be produced in your life. Jesus is, he's using, he's talking to the disciples and he's using this picture to tell them of this continued, continued connection and relationship even though he was about to depart from them, to go to the cross. He's saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I will, in you, you will bear much fruit. But did you catch it? He speaks in a way, Jesus speaks in a way that indicates that there's this choice that has to be made. There's a choice that is, had to be made by the disciples. There's a choice that has to be made with you and I. Remaining is something we must choose. Verse six, he goes on, he says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. It's almost a, a warning that if your remaining fails, if you get disconnected from him, a branch only has life as it's connected to the vine, right? So when we're disconnected from God, it's gonna be fairly difficult to see fruit grow in your life. Pay attention to what Jesus is saying here, though. He's, he, he said, if anybody does not remain in me. He did not say, if anyone does not bear fruit, is thrown away. I think that's key. If we become disconnected. And what's interesting, I don't know about you, but there are times where I feel like I worry too much about bearing fruit in my life. I can become obsessed with bearing fruit. Like I have to bear fruit. Okay, is this fruit good enough? Is it healthy enough? Is it shiny enough? Y'all know like when you go to the supermarket and there's that shiny apple, that's the one I pick, right? Is it shiny enough? But that's not the point that Jesus is making here. To not be obsessed with bearing fruit, let the obsession come from remaining connected to the vine. Verse seven says, if you remain in me and my words, how do we know his words? It's right here. If you remain in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Jesus is saying, I want you to bear food. I want you to produce joy. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And here it is. I've told you this. I've told you all of that so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Joy is made complete. If we would have started in verse one of that chapter, read through verse 11 there, I would have told you that in those 11 verses, Jesus uses the word remain 11 times. We read seven verses 
this morning. And can you guess how many times Jesus uses the word remain in those seven verses? It's not a trick question. Seven. Have you ever done this? God, what should I be doing if I find myself needing more joy? God, what should I be doing? I'm not sure what to do. Remain. Okay, but what's the first step I should take? Remain. Okay, God, it's like seriously, like I need joy in my life. Like is there, is there a book, is there a podcast I could buy? No, just remain. Ah, you know what, hey, hey, can you pray for me? I need more joy. I need more joy in my life. Has anybody ever done this? Oh, man, my life is so negative right now, it's just hard. Would you pray for me? I just need more joy in my life. Like, y'all, I, I, I hear myself doing these things. I laugh because like, I've done this before. Like, oh man, I'm just down. I just need joy right now. And I started to think about my own life and, and thinking how many times that I've been so busy with other things that I say this little prayer in passing, oh God, just give me more joy. And what's God telling me? Jordan, remain. Huh, God, like, I don't know about that. I'm a little busy right now. I just need for you to download joy in my life, like right now. Put it on fiber, get it in me, like right now. But like my prayer is going to magically produce something when I'm not remaining in him. He's already told me how and where I can get joy. I wonder if Jesus ever looked back at me and said, Jordan, I love you. You need to stop asking others to pray for you and start remaining in me. Stop looking for joy and start looking to me. See, here it is. I made this connection. David, who the Bible describes a man after God's own heart, wrote this in Psalm 16:11. He says, "You will fill me with joy in your presence." When I decide to remain in Jesus, the Bible says multiple, multiple times that joy is a byproduct. You will fill me with your joy in your presence. There's something about remaining. There's something about being in his presence. Presence leads to joy. And that joy, Nehemiah 8.10 uh, says that the joy of the Lord is what? It's our strength. Presence leads to joy. Joy leads to strength. Strength leads to the, to the ability to overcome whatever situation I'm in. When you spend time in his presence, the Bible promises you that there's a, the byproduct of it is joy. And that, that joy that gets inside of you, that joy becomes your strength. It's two things, if you're looking for joy. I mean, the, the, really three things. You gotta start with remaining. Like that's where it begins, abiding in him, being in his presence. Open up Spotify, kicking on some worship music. Opening up this word and saying, Lord, 
Speak life over me. Hanging around people that push you closer and not further from Jesus. So really, if I'm doing math right, the second thing now, which is really the first thing in my mind when I wrote this, but really is the second thing. If you're looking for joy and you need to know how to get it back, joy can be found, can come from your perspective. Don't worry, I'm on, I'm, I'm on the decline now, okay? We're about to land this thing. The root of joy can be in gratefulness. Viewing the world around you with a gratefulness can change everything about you and I. See, depending on your perspective, you can have pure joy or you can have that joy quickly fade away from you. Let's look at Philippians chapter one. Again, it's a book by the, uh, by the Apostle Paul. Quick context here, Philippians is, is a quick hitter. It's a four chapter, 104 verses here by the Apostle Paul. Most scholars call, that, call this book um, a letter of joy. Paul, his, his dream, his desire was to be traveling around, meeting people and pointing people to Jesus and, and starting Jesus communities, okay? But get this, along the way he's arrested because some religious leaders didn't like the fact that he was talking about Jesus because these were the guys that wanted to put the end to all the Jesus talk. And so Paul, he wouldn't shut up or shut down the Jesus talk, so they put him in prison. Prison. So here you go, you have a guy who is isolated, away from everything he's known or has known. Shoot, he's even chained to a guard, the Bible says, 24 hours a day. Everything could, in his life seemed, could be uh, falling apart if you look at it. If you look at it from the outside, like, dude, you're in a bad spot. I'm sure pro probably that, that Paul knows at some point he's, he's on his way to be killed, to be executed for a crime that he didn't even commit. So, so Paul writes this letter to, to a group of Jesus followers in Philippi, and here's what he says. He says in verse three, chapter one, I thank God, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you and all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. How does a guy who's in prison, chained to a guard, isolated away from everything he's wanted or wants to do in this life, write a book about joy? And the first thing within the first three verses here, he says, I thank God every time I remember you in all of my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. It's like Paul, he's choosing to be thankful, to change his perspective on where he's at, to, to flip the lens and have come at it at a, at a, at a, at a lens of gratitude, to be thankful to, to, to my God that no matter what I see, no matter what I touch, no matter what I hear in my life right now. I mean, come on, he's waiting his execution. Understand what he's doing in this. Like these, this may just be passing words to you as you read through Philippians, but I, I was reading it and I just stopped right there. How can a guy have joy? 
Here's what he's doing. He, he's sitting in, in prison in a jail cell and his mind goes to specific people that he met back in Philippi. He's sitting there and he starts to think back on the miracles that God worked and how he moved. And guess what, Paul? He starts getting joyful. You know, regardless of the situation, regardless of his dream, instead of complaining of where he is at in that moment, he says, I pray and thank God for you. And guess what happened in his life? Joy is the byproduct. Verse 12 says, I want you guys to, you guys already know. You know what I've been through. You know what I'm going through. I want you to know, my brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually has served to advance the gospel tell other people about Jesus. I'm not even gonna complain of where I'm at. I'm gonna use this moment to share Jesus to those around me. Verse 14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord. Get this, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Friends, when we have a perspective that views through the lens of gratitude, when we are thankful, thankful for what God has done in our life, I'm telling you, joy begins to well up inside of you. I don't need to tell you. Maybe I do. I don't know. Y'all, God has moved in mighty ways in your life. What's been your focus? Jordan, what has been your focus? Point number two, if you're looking to get your joy back, Joy comes and be found in persevering. There's a promise in the scriptures. Found Jesus, the one who I've walked with for 20 plus years now at this point. Friends, he, uh, he makes great promises. But he also keeps them. Now I was reading out of Romans Chapter 15, verse 13, it's gonna be on the screen behind me. It says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him. Do you know how important it is to have joy in your life? It goes on to say in, later in that verse that, that you may overflow with hope to everyone around you. Friends, we need hope. We need joy. I don't know about you, but in dark days, the people with the light, uh, they're pretty valuable, right? So come on. In a divided society, people with joy are gonna stick out. And now more than ever, may the God of hope fill us with joy as we trust in him. See, here's the promise. When you make the decision to trust in Jesus, you get more joy. Every time you choose to stand firm in your faith with him and don't run away, your joy increases. Friends, I needed this word. 
tell you, I was, uh, I normally prep one more time on Saturday nights. You can stand with me this morning. I said go over my message one more time on Saturday nights, but I closed my computer and I was sitting there watching the Kansas basketball game. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, you know. Must have been something with Kansas basketball and God last night because uh, I was sitting there and towards halftime and I didn't have this verse in my notes. I didn't have any of this last part in my message. And um, I remember this, this phrase, you know, maybe filled with hope and all joy and all this. And I was like, what? I wrote that down somewhere. Where, 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 where did I write that down? So I opened up my notes and I saw Romans 15, 13 and paused the game and opened up my Bible and read it. Krista was upstairs watching a movie with the boys. You were actually sleeping and uh, good thing because tears started coming over my eyes just like they are now. Because I don't know if you know this about me, but I've lost joy within the past couple of years. Yo, it's been hard being a pastor the last couple of years. I feel like I've kept my head down and tried to lean on my own capabilities and my own understanding, and that only gets you so far. To where you're finding yourself watching a Kansas basketball game. God's saying, you know what? You need to open up your Bible. It's time to rewrite that last part of your message because I think it's one for me. I think it's one for you. It's been hard. People have come into this building over the last five years, built strong relationship with, ones that I've celebrated with, that I've sat at dinner tables with, seen students take steps towards Jesus. And to see those people come and go, it's, friends, it's messed with me. Put your own story in there and maybe how you've lost your joy. Friends, right in this moment, here's a prayer that I prayed and maybe you would receive. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we come to you right now. God, we need an influx of your joy. We know it's found in your presence. And here in just a moment, we're gonna sing and we're gonna worship. But God, you're the God of hope. So I want you to fill me. I want you to fill us with joy. God, as we trust you, as we make decisions to step out in faith, to trust you. God, we just thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you that no matter where we've been, where our feet have, have placed us, God, that we can access you. We can access your spirit. That none of us are too far gone. That none of us have fully, completely lost our joy. Friends, joy is found in the person and his name is Jesus.
First and foremost, as we end here, if you don't know Jesus, there's gonna be uh, our prayer team up front here that would love to lead you what that looks like into relationship with Jesus. If you have a situation, if you just need prayer, I encourage you to come down front. Let me leave you with this, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust him so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that's what we want. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.